Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation, the Masters. You know, I always thought that the Masters was kind of golf's global renewal. When you add the drive, chip, and putt and the Augusta National Women's Amateur to the tournament proper, it really is a festival for the game. So how do you preview the Masters? Well, you do it with two guys who played in it. Johnson Wagner, Brendan DeYoung are going to be joining me to talk about who can win, how many can win, the style that certainly is rewarded on this golf course, and why this tournament is become and has become the most famous tournament in the world. Our Masters preview is next. This Five Clubs conversation is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. And you might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips, refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride, respect the grip. And with that, I welcome in Johnson Wagner, Brendan DeYoung. It's good to see you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Good to see you too. Glad to be here. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna have fun today, but going forward, you're gonna be contributing a lot with him. I know you guys have Andy Roddick coming in here uh, the week after the Masters. Uh, that'll be great. But to get your perspective, both of you, on this tournament, having both played in it, let, let's start there because there's a ton we're gonna unpack here. Let me start with you. 2008. You know, that's a whirlwind. You're, you come in, your hair's on fire. Uh, you probably had a couple of cold ones on Sunday night en route from Houston uh, into Augusta. Just, just the things that stand out and will never go away about that first experience. Yeah, like you said, went in the week before in Houston, got me into the Masters the next week, flew over, uh, didn't go to bed until very late that night, but woke <laughs> up at 7 o'clock just excited and Jones, jonesing to go play a practice round, played with good friend Brant Snedeker, Monday morning and uh, just never really came down from that high of that week. But Friday, I wasn't nervous Thursday on the first tee. Friday morning on the first tee box, I hit a ball so far right off the tee. I looked at my caddy, Pepsi, and I was like, hey, do we need to hit a provisional? <laughs> and Pepsi's like, yes, we need to hit a provisional. I tee up a second ball, rip it down the middle, and this guy, hard hat spotter, he says, hey, I've been working the Masters for 35 years. You're the first person that's ever hit a provisional off of the first tee. <laughs> so I have a Masters record. <laughs> did, I'll, I'll never, did you find that first ball? It was just adjacent to the media, the old media center. I made triple bogey on that hole. I think I ended up shooting even that day and made the cut. But uh, yeah, it was it was an ugly ugly start to the day. Wow. The hands were shaking. Reed, when Rory played with Reed in that final round, when Reed won. He hit it probably very close to where you did. It's not good over there. No, no, it is not. There's some spots which I'm going to ask you about. How about you, 2014? What stands out? Well, obviously, I had more preparation. I knew I was going to be playing, so I wasn't flying in in the last minute. But um, the size of the place. I know everyone talks about it, but you walk in there and everywhere you look, it's just massive. The range is huge. And uh, to Johnson's story about being nervous there, I remember 
it was Thursday for me. I was nervous and I played uh, playing with Tom Watson and Billy Horschel. Obviously, Tom Watson is Tom Watson. And I just missed the green to the left on number one. Very, very basic chip shot under normal circumstances. And I put the wedge behind that. And I was worried that I was going to hit it because I was shaking so much. And I looked at my caddy. And I was like, how in the hell am I going to get this thing on the green? I moved it probably two feet, went straight to the putter, <laughs> took my six and went to the next hole. <laughs> you opened with a six? I opened with a six, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, you, these shots around the greens, there, there are certain aspects, and, and one of them is the agronomics of the golf course. Um, they, they do as heavy an overseed of ryegrass as anywhere in the world, but they also, their mowing patterns, they're deceptive, they're almost sinister in a way, because they, they mow fairways towards you. So they're, they're trying to prevent as much distance advantages as they can. And then when you guys get around the green, these little sticky chips to all this contour, when you're not used to that, is there any place, I mean, Houston did as good a job as they could. To your point though, everything's, every chip shot you hit is into the grain. If you're over the green, if you're, and I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. And even when you hit drivers down the fairway, it lands into the grain so it doesn't roll out as much. A lot of times, even when it's dry, when you land in the grain, you pick up a little mud on the ball and it, it makes those second shots very difficult. But to your point around, Chipping down grain and chipping into the grain is a huge difference in how the interaction and putting. You can't even putt much around that golf course because putting into the grain, the, the greens will skip and hop and it's very inconsistent. That's that's a nice take, Gary. I, it just, again, it's, it's one of those subtle deceptive things that it's already hard enough because of the contour and the speed once the ball gets on these greens. But the, the shots around the greens to me, you're gonna miss 18, 20, maybe 22 greens over the course of the week and that's why you know, Brandon, when I think historically of, of guys who have won there, that you go, ah, why'd that happen? Great chippers. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you don't have to look further than Jose Maria Olathalba. No question. One of, one of the best. And I think it's one of those things that that's why you don't see a lot of first-timers really contending as well, because the chipping is so difficult, but you have to know exactly where to miss it. There's so many greens out there that if you miss it in the wrong place, you've got absolutely no chance. And over the years, obviously, you play it enough times and you figure out where you can and can't miss it. You know, I, Ray Floyd, Crenshaw, Seve, you mentioned Jose Mario Lothabel, Spieth. Johnson, I, and we're going to get to favorites and all that. One of the things that I think is going to keep him right in the middle of this thing for more than a decade going forward is that intuition about reading lies and his chipping. It's, it's witch-like. And what's incredible about what he does is he does it all with a 60 degree. And he plays this 60 with low bounce and he's, you know, it's remarkable. He can hit it low and running. He can flop it to the moon. And and Scotty Scheffler is a bit that same way. Incredible around the greens. Both of them are pretty much exclusively chipping with their 60 degree, which is hard to do. To be a leading edge guy, you have to have so much confidence in your contact to hit that 60 low. Because like you said on number one, if you don't around there, you'll hit it a foot if you catch the grain in the wrong way. I think what Johnson said there, nobody, and I I can't think of anybody in the game or in the recent history that is better using that leading edge. And you've got to have so much confidence around there because as we touched, everything is into the grain. So if you're confident using that leading edge, you've got such an advantage. Uh, and I didn't even mention Tiger, and he, he again, chipping uh, uncanny, how good, imagination, all that. You know, I, I want to start, though, in, in, in a broad sense with, with this whole live presence, because 
we've had the other majors in 2022 and, and the other majors navigated the live players as they were transitioning. And now it's the first masters with, with live players and there's 18 of them and there's a handful. They're going to be at that champions dinner on Tuesday night. You guys know so many of those guys. You, you know the younger guys a little bit, I'm, I'm sure. There's a lot of guys of your vintage that made the choice to go over there. Who do you think, Brennan, is, is wired in a way that they can handle? Look, they're not going to be polarized. They're not, they're not coming in there as enemies, but they can handle some level of, of an awareness from other people and they're comfortable with being mildly self-conscious to start the week. Give me a couple guys you think can navigate all that well. Um, I think Dustin Johnson, for one. You know, <laughs> it's kind of water off a duck's back with him. Everything is, you know, it's easy. It's easy going. He's laid back guy. I don't feel like anything has become personal with him either. I don't think he's going to go in there and sit at the champion's dinner and it's going to be uncomfortable for him at all. And I see him treating this just as he would otherwise. Brooks Kepka, I think he, and Cam Smith, really? obviously, too. I, th I think Brooks, uh, there's rumors flying around that he wants to come back to the PGA Tour. We'll see how that goes with the, with the Saudis. But, uh, to, but to touch on, on Dustin, like a lot of these guys, I heard that Dustin from their live last event in the fall to Mexico didn't touch a club one time. And so that's my concern with these guys, that they're not preparing the way they should be, and they're not competitively sharp. They're not playing good golf when they, when they are playing. They're not practicing the way they used to when they're at home. So who of those guys can really turn it on? You look at you know, Kevin Na's working. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Kevin's not mailed it in. So that's an interesting guy. to. I bet he makes the cut. I'm certainly not picking him to win, but I bet, sure. I bet Kevin Na comes in as sharp as any of them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, think, I think Patrick Reed is... is you know, he's set up in a way that, look, he thrives in, in, in really uncomfortable situations. He likes um, the, me against the world. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I, I think he's, in, he's totally oblivious uh, to, to feeling self-conscious. And I think that speaks to something uh, much deeper than, than just, <laughs> you know, being comfortable with confrontation. The other part of it is what you said about form. How in the hell are we supposed to assess who's on form when these guys play so infrequently, how do you do that? I don't think you can. I, I think it's impossible. You've got to kind of look at the guy that's willing, as Johnson said, to put in the work. Like Kevin Nall, you know he's going to be grinding his butt off at home. A lot of these other guys, as you said, I didn't know that, that haven't touched the club for six months. That's, that's going to be tough. Well, I mean, look who won their first two events. Charles Howe, Danny Lee. Like, those guys are, we know Charles Howe's working every day. At yes. home, and he's got these huge purses he's playing for. And it's just, I don't think he's in the Masters. But, no, uh, he's not. It's, it's interesting to see who's playing well. And I know Harold took a lot of time off this winter and went skiing a bunch. And he's just now starting to get back into it. And that's why I think Harold has an outside chance of a, a top 15 and kind of getting in the hunt out there. I think he's kind of come to grips with his new role of being sort of a villain. And I think Harold mentally can handle whatever. Do you be. think he's come to grips with it? And, let me, and, and the reason I say it that way is that I see him on Twitter and he's such a good dude, and and he's so diplomatic and dignified, and these people saying, you know, really awful things to him, and, and he responds in the most pleasant way. And my question is, why are you responding at all? Why are you why are you wasting your energy trying to engage people who who don't don't care? 
certainly would have been, in his case, I would have deleted all social media and just kind of crawled into a hole and not looked at the outside world the way he has. But he, we actually spoke about that the other day when we played and he recommended that I get on there and respond with kindness to haters. And, and I, you know, I, I think I'm going to ignore the haters. I'm, I'm on your, I'm on your yeah. side. I, I, so you think he'll go there and not be affected by the fact that we're having conversations about the live guys. Because he is such a good dude and it was yeah. always so well liked. And now that he's hated, I think he's not hated, but he, he he struggled hard with that. He's getting negative feedback, which he's never gotten before. Right. Grant McDowell's not in the field, but he's never gotten that. But like you're talking about a lot of guys who have these great reputations that, that nobody has a negative thing to say about him. And all of a sudden they make this choice to go over there and play and they're getting stuff in their timeline like, Holy cow, I've never experienced this before. I agree with you. I think that would be hard. If you're somebody that has been popular and overwhelmingly popular to all of a sudden get all of this negative stuff, I would think that would be really, really difficult to deal with. Yeah, I, I look, I hope I hope he has a great week. I, I hope all those guys, for the, for the sake of the tournament, that it's just that. But, but with respect to their presence being there, if Cam Smith, who I think is the most capable, not only because... He's absolutely one of the 10 best players in the world as we speak. He also has an impeccable record around there. You know, he's, he's got six starts. He's got two seconds and a third and, and another top 10. The guy, the, again, chipping, putting, he is built to get around that place. Um, if he's right there late on a Sunday, and whether it's Thomas, Spieth, McElroy, Homa, Homa, how about that dynamic? A live guy and a PGA Tour star, most notably if it's Rory, who's been kind of the mouthpiece for the tour against a defector. We've never experienced anything like that in a major, let alone the Masters. It might make for great TV. It'd be, it'd it'd be, make for great TV. Now, do you think that, that it will be, you know, we know everybody who's on that property is very dignified about being there, that there will be, that you will sense a Ryder Cup type of atmosphere. Do you think that would I think that's present fair. itself? But what, what's great about if it happens at Augusta as opposed to the U.S. Open or the PGA is that fans won't be fans will be respectful or they'll be yanked out. And so I think it's good that it's going to happen first at the Masters, so the decorum around it. Because I think at the U.S. Open at a place like Bethpage, if that happened, you would have a lot of people screaming and yelling negative things and that you would be audible on TV. And I, that's not my kind of golf. I prefer more classy to Yes, I, I agree with Johnson. I think if you do get that feeling, it's going to be more of an undertone than anything else. You know, it's not going to be outward. You know, I mean, you yell something at Augusta and you get removed pretty quickly. No, so, no doubt. So I think it, there might be a little bit of an undertone. Has that ever happened to you? You've been removed? I have not been removed yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been on best behavior. <laughs> the uh, Phil Mickelson, I, you know, he wins the PGA, so he, he wins a major after 50. I always held on to the thought that mid to late 50s, that like Freddie did a couple of times, late into his 50s, Ray Floyd was in a playoff almost at the age of 50, that Phil was capable of making a run there. Um, I'm not feeling it this year at all. Do you think is it is going to be predicated on whether he ever plays on the PGA Tour again, if he is ever a factor again at Augusta? And do, do you guys agree with the, the thought that he could have contended into his mid to late 50s? Oh, very much so. He was... He 
pretty much had no injuries throughout his career. None. Was, I mean, you watch him swing the club, he's still as supple as can be. Um, I believe he could have contended as long as he wanted to. But I agree with you. I, I don't see it now. I don't get the feeling that he's got any, any late run in him at all. He, if he makes the cut, it'll be a success. But you mentioned Tom Watson before. You played with him Thursday, Friday. I yeah. played with him Thursday, Friday in 12, and I'm sure it was the same. Every And he almost made the cut in 12. Every single green he walked to Thursday, Friday, he got a standing ovation. And it, like I'm getting chills just thinking about he it. He was, was over 60 at He that was, point. absolutely. Yeah. And it was just one of, the, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I wish I was in a better headspace at the time to really appreciate it, but reflecting on it. And so when I think about Phil this week, like all those Masters champions, especially a guy like Watson, and Phil's won three times, what is Phil's reaction from the patrons going to be as he walks up to greens? Because I would have to think he's not going to get a standing O 36 times. No, definitely not. But he's gonna get. He's gonna be embraced. You, you think they're gonna be kind of? I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking forward. I, you know, I watch. I'll watch every second of the coverage, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I yeah. don't know if he will. I, I think that I, my feeling about about Augusta is that, and this is this is a dynamic that we've never had to you know, kind of navigate through. Is that I feel like Augusta's a kind of time is suspended, and and there's an insulation that occurs when you go there that you go, whatever is going on, this, this is a special week, not only for us who are applauding you, but, but in turn for you as well. I, I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna feel warmth. I think he is not necessarily gonna get 36 standing O's as he approaches 36 greens, but I think he's gonna have a, an enjoyable week. Uh, I would be surprised if there's anything other than that. I hope that's the case because I mean, think about it. Think about Sergio Garcia who had a very, and has always had kind of a weird, contentious relationship with that club, spit into the, into the hole on 18 one year, and turns around and he wins. He, he, he's a champion now. And, he, and you know, Phil's a three-time champion. My feeling is he's gonna have a very enjoyable week. My question is, and I heard Craig Stadler say this on the radio the other day, if there's anybody who's gonna say anything that is going to initiate some conversation in that champion's dinner on Tuesday night. Of course, it's going to be him, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be, it's isn't gonna it? It's going to be. It, I mean, yes. And they probably will have a playful conversation with those guys. It'll be, it, I, you I think? Mean, who wouldn't want to be in that room anyway, but this oh year more God. so than ever. I, I, you know, again, Crenshaw is kind of the, the, the steward of that. I mean, and I also heard him saying it, it's, there may be some awkward moments but they're going to get past it. They know where they are. They, 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 they have enough spatial awareness, Brendan, that this is not going to turn into uh, to some type of falling out. I think it's going to be awkward for the first two minutes while everybody's kind of milling around, figuring out where they're sitting and stuff. And then I think it's, it's such a close fraternity in there anyway that I think they're going to get past that pretty quickly and they're going to sit down and have a good meal and it's going to be so far in the back of everybody's minds. So we're sitting here, you know, it's you know, a week out, a little bit more than a week. There's been very little on the Tiger front, like any news of, hey, he's building, hey, he's feeling good. They're, they've always been strategic about messaging. There's been nothing. You don't have any concern that he may not be able to play, do you? Not only is he going to play, no. <laughs> oh, no, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I'm. He'll be there. He's going to be there. He will be there, yeah. Um, okay. A little surprised he didn't play players or Bay Hill. I honestly. am. Little, not yeah. a lot, not a lot. I mean, look, he is, 
His life is about trying to, if, if he had a setback at the players, you know how pissed he would be at himself Fair. if he compromised yeah. a start at Augusta National? Yeah. I, I, I just, I think us, other than his own event, us thinking there might be, in the, like, the idea that, well, maybe he'll play Memorial right before the U.S. Open. No, he won't. No, he's not. He's not going to go to Ohio, sit through rain delays to get ready to play L.A. North. Good milkshakes there, though. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. do I, <laughs> never had one. <laughs> okay, let's let's get the Tiger forecast out of the way. What's a good week for him? Making the cut. Making the cut. I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. I'm think, surprised that your your expectations. He's, got winning, he's winning at Hoylake. He's not winning the Masters. Okay, all right, too that's early. right. He's going to win in I'm 50 I'm going to go higher better. than that just because of the knowledge he has of that place. I would say... I think top 20. I think wow. Top 20. Okay, that would be, that would be, I mean, for him to be on the periphery and to him to be kind of on the later side of a Sunday, boy, that would be special. That would that'd be, that'd be something else. I am, I was doing PGA Tour live for um, Genesis. Yeah. And so we followed him, obviously, every shot he hit. And he swung the club so well. A lot of speed. A lot of speed. If he putted half decently, he would have had a really good week that week. And I, I don't know, I, I see top 20, if not even better. Here's the thing about that week that, that gives me pause. And again, he's, he's a bona fide artist and he's a genius. He was hitting one shot. He was hitting that big sweeping cut. And going around there for 72 holes, there, uh, and I will get right to that next thought that I, I wanted to get you guys to, to talk about. You know, to me, you know, doing this all day long at Augusta National, that's that's a hard recipe. He's got to be able to have more shape than than just hitting one golf shot for for an entire week. That's what your three woods for. That's how that's how Homa plays. That's how Rom plays. Yeah. That's how most of those Justin Thomas. Justin can he can curve it both directions a little better. Spieth is pretty much playing a fade off the tee. Watching him at at Valspar the. 14th to par five, he, I, I thought, all right, he's going to hit a draw and get it down there. And he bled it right into the right rough and had to lay up. And yeah. it, it's like, I don't think that it, many of those guys are hitting their drivers with that kind of turning on holes like two, 10, all those big right to left holes. Yes. Nine, you can get away with the fade, I think. But they'll be hitting three woods on those holes. That's well, just I, what they do. I think the way the driver is designed now, it, you can't keep it in the air if you're drawing it. That's why everybody's... No, they're, they're <laughs> absolutely right. If you don't have enough are you, speed. Are you speaking from personal experience? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. If you don't have enough speed, then you can't keep it in there. But No, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think you go to the three wood, and if he does have the speed that he had at Genesis, you'll be able to turn it over with that three wood. And I think... We're expecting a pretty good weather week, so. Yeah. How about, how about, I, I, I did a thing with Dustin Johnson years ago, and I had him visualize the, the five pars at Augusta National. I said, give me your shape on two, eight. Um, we get to 13, he goes, there's no shape. Straight up in the air. So he showed me, you know, his, his launch on two and eight was still high, but then he showed me what he visualizes on 13, and it is a moonshot. And, and I set that up by asking you, what is more valuable there, the flight or the height that you hit shots into those greens? I, I think the height for that golf course, I mm -hmm. really do. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the tee shots, but then you look at the second shot into 15, like you've got to hit that ball straight up in the air with a long iron, because obviously if it comes in flat, you've got water behind the yep. green. If it comes in flat, you're not going to cover that front. So I think 
Augusta more than anywhere else, you've got to be able to hit it straight up in the air with some of the long irons, yeah. which is why I love a guy like Will Zalatoris. And I know that's not a stretch because he's played so well in every major yeah. he's played in in his career. But what he does, I've played with him one time. He hits his irons and driver higher than anybody I've ever played with. And, and the only problem with a guy like that is I would hate to have him have a four footer sure. to win and watch that stroke because it's 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 disgusting from inside five feet. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's sorry, actually, I, it's he, actually he, really he, nice he, looking from fifteen. It yeah, is. It yeah. is. And I, I feel bad for him, and I, I I sympathize with that stroke. But man, is it hard to watch when he's putting short putts? Yeah, I, I unfortunately I don't know where he is health wise. Like he had a he had a really good final round at Genesis, and I'm thinking, okay, he's he's coming around. And the Florida swing wasn't wasn't particularly you know kind to him. Didn't have a good week at, at match play. But I'm right. I'm with you on that. And that's where you know look. Tiger could hit it yeah. straight up in the air. Phil could do the same thing. Cameron Young. You start talking about like certain advantages. Spieth has advantages because of shaping and chipping and his putting. And then there are other guys like DJ um, that to me height at majors and in particular at Augusta National. Those greens get firm. You mentioned 15, 11. Yeah. I mean, my God. I mean, some of these 10, if you've got somewhat of a hanging lie to that green that is perched up. I mean, taking it straight up in the air, to me, is a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage. And, and as Brendan said earlier, you don't see a lot of first-timers there have success because it's all about knowing where yeah. to miss it. And I think Quail Hollow plays a little bit that way as well. But when you're coming to 10 and the pins on the front right if you miss that thing in the bunker you might as well ride a five on the card and go on to the next hole the, the miss there is left and to hit that high shot knowing where to leave the ball around those greens is is absolutely crucial well, and i think getting back to that you know obviously there's so much undulation in those greens as well so if, obviously if something's coming in a little bit flatter it's got the tendency to take all of these slopes you know if you've got a ball that's coming in from the moon and just dropping it's not going to catch these slopes and feet away so, you know, I think I think more than any other golf course, I think you've got to be able to hit the ball straight up in the air. Yeah, the quadrants and, and playing, trying to keep it below the hole. And that lends me to leads me to, to this whole thing about these critical shots. The, the four or five, when you think about going around there, that whether it is the miss can be exacerbated by where you may miss it. Um, give me a handful of shots around there that, that are critical to execute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two tee shots on the front nine. I think five and seven mm -hmm. are both kind of must-hit fairways. If you hit the fairway on seven, it becomes a birdie hole. And it is the straightest yes. hole I've ever seen. Like you stand on that tee box and there's no curve either way. It's a very tight shoot with trees on both sides. So you hit that fairway, it becomes a birdie hole. And then five, they built that new tee so far back behind the fourth green. And if you're left, it's a layup out of the bunker. If you're right, you're chipping out. So I think that second shot is the hardest one on the golf course. And if you're not in that fairway, you have no chance of hitting the green. Well, you'd be fine. You couldn't reach that bunker <laughs> on five. Well, not now. <laughs> yeah, you'd be fine. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre to think, like, when you, when you get back as close as you can, to where the new back tee is on five, and you look at those two big yawning bunkers down there on the left, and you go, are you joking that there are a handful of guys in this field that can fly that second bunker? It looks a lifetime away. Yeah. Five, five to me is, I don't know that it's underrated, it's just underappreciated because we don't see it too much. Um, let me ask you about a couple others on, on, on the first nine. Uh, the fourth hole has some elasticity to it. They'll play it kind of up 
and then they can play at 245 to that green that even though it's, you know, part of it is perched towards you, there's not much there, particularly if the pin is right, there's no depth. Um, what's the approach on, on hole number four for you? For me, it was try and get it aboard the green. You get, get it on that green, get your three, and get to that fifth tee as quickly as you can. You know if you make four threes there, you're picking up all kinds of ground on the field. That was one of those. It was It's just a hard hole. It really is. And I know they do play it up a tee, but typically they play it up a tee, and then they'll have that pin on the left side. Yes. It's not a very big area to land it in over there either. When they're playing it up at you, you're still hitting four irons, and right. it's not not it's like two forty. Yeah, it's not a seven iron. It's but it is downhill. <laughs> <laughs> the palm tree. I love the fact on four. My yes. favorite thing about that is that there's one palm tree yep. on Augusta, and it's it kind of to the right about That's fifty right. yards of the green. That's before that. <laughs> I always found you never really want to be long of that green, and I hated that left bunker. So yeah. if I'm going to miss it on four, I wanted to be in the front bunker. And so I, I would take that on very aggressively at the right side, just knowing, especially if you can get on the upslope in that bunker, you're going to be able to hit a shot to those underneath the shelf yeah. pins. And even to the top pins, if you have the courage to to nip it, you can you can get it up there with some speed. Yeah, from that right bunker, you're always going to have a pretty good opportunity to save par from that. Yes. Yeah, there's, to, to any flag, really. And, and to those right flags, as Johnson said, you can be aggressive to those because you do have a backstop from there as well. So you can, you can get it pretty close from there. Did you guys... The, the changes are more than the, the really significant changes in terms of, of length and, and the addition of the trees is almost 20, it's more than 20 years now. Did either one of you see the seventh hole before they added all the trees and when it was about 375? Did you, did you ever go there? I was there, I was there in 04. Already done. Yeah. And we, were, we were supposed to go in college. We played the tournament before Augusta State hosted and for three straight years. And then everybody goes to the Monday practice round. <laughs> and our coach, Jay Hardwick, he's like, guys, we can't do it. We got too much school to get back to. So every, all these 12 teams were going to the Masters and, and we never got to go. But that would have been 99, 2000, yeah. 2000. You would have seen it. Yeah. It's, it's the, history of, <laughs> the history of number seven is like there's so many different architects that have had, and primarily it's Perry Maxwell who made the real significant changes to what that green pretty much looks like today. But that green, the first time I went was 1991, and seven was like a little lollipop hole. It was it was an iron and, and a little wedge, and you're going, okay, this is where you get one. And now, like you said, it's so straight, yeah. and it's so narrow, and it's more than a flip wedge now. That hole is a beast. The, the good thing about those tee boxes at Augusta is that they're long. They're long rectangles. Yes. So that tee box is probably 50 yards yes. long now. And so you can play it all the way back there downwind at probably 470. And then if it gets into the wind, they do a great job of moving it up. Mm -hmm. It's it's designed to be, you want guys hitting a good drive and hitting an eight, nine iron. Maybe the long guy's hitting some wedges. But it, <laughs> that, that shoots pretty small when that tee's all the way oh. at the back. Like you feel like you could clip a limb very, very easily <laughs> right off the tee. Which is, what, which is why I was thinking about that tee shot being so crucial because if you do hit the fairway, it's my favorite second shot in like on that golf course. Is it really? Oh, to a right pin, yeah, being yeah. able to hit a nine iron and watch it come back yeah, yeah. and it's the, the anticipation that you, when you the know funneling. it's good yeah. and it's coming back in the crowd on that hole when, it's, when, that, when you hit that shot is, is pretty rewarding. Yeah, he, in 19, that I thought was kind of when, when Tiger flipped the momentum because Molinari was bulletproof for six holes. Tiger bogeyed four and five. He hit a bullet 
down the right center of the fairway and Molinari hooded his tee shot left of the fairway, made five, Tiger made three, it was game on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that hole was great. Now let me ask you about a couple shots on the second nine. Um, 11. 11 to me is so diabolical in the fact that when they added all the trees on the right, like Bubba Watson, I could always see anything that he had over his right shoulder, he would always get claustrophobic because he wanted to feel like there was space to his right so that he could just, you know, do a lot of that. And he never hit the fairway on 11. Tiger has struggled getting it on the fairway on 11. From, the, from that back tee, give people a perspective of what do you see when you're standing back there? All I see is trees, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Hopefully they don't. It, it's claustrophobic back there. It really is. You go back. I mean, you. It's so far you back make, there. You make a left turn from 10 green and you just keep going, keep going, keep going. And it gets more and more claustrophobic the further back you, you get. And you know you've got to hit a good tee shot. The hole's over 500 yards. You know you need to hit a good tee shot. So it, it puts an added pressure on you back there. But it's a, it's an uncomfortable one. It really is. Can and you it, see the fairway from back there? You can see the fairway, yeah. and it's it's a four caddy hole. If you yeah. if, if you ha if you love your caddy, they walk straight to the eleventh fairway, and you yeah. walk back. My favorite part about that tee box is they've got a cooler back there that's got those candy bars in it, those <laughs> Masters chocolate bars. And you get back there and you drink some water because you've walked straight uphill to that tee. You drink some water. Maybe you don't have the honor, so you <laughs> grab one of those candy bars, take a couple squares. Do you know those? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never seen them. <laughs> Never seen. You must have eaten them all. <laughs> so, so you play it to the fairway, and then no matter where the pin is, do you have the same approach? Or if there is a, I mean, Hogan famously said, if you hit the screen, you missed. You've missed your mark. What is what is what are you what I mean, are you looking I'm, at? I'm coming in with a three four iron, and so there's that slope short right. Yes, and so you're just trying to maybe if it banks off that and gets onto the green because the worst thing you can do is bail out right that's hole high. Yeah, and if you get in that bunker or and you have to pitch over that bunker, if you get too deep into that, you want to be short right of the hole. If it kicks off that slope, great, and just keep it around the front. For me, with a three iron, I'm trying to be on the front fringe no matter the hole. I, I did the same thing. I hit all four over there, just short right. And, and honestly, it's not too bad to any flag. It's not the easiest chip in the world, but you're not going to get in any trouble. And as Johnson said, if you try and if you try and push it into the green a little bit and you still bail it out right and you get pin high, it's so difficult over there. You can chip it in the water without hitting a bad shot. You know, you're chipping over that bunker from a tight line, oh. landing on a slight down slope, and it's it's hard over there. Yeah, from from, from middle left. There is a subtle amount of slope that is going in the direction of that pond that is frightening. And anything that gets past a pin that's middle to the left-hand side, I mean, you're, you're just begging it to stop. Well, my, my first time there in 08, I tried to get aggressive on Saturday at a pin, and I rinsed it. And, I mean, you can't, you can't get aggressive to any flag on that green. Maybe the right flags, but four iron, rinse it, and it's the only time I've ever had to use the drop circle, which is just short of the pond. And it is... 75 yards out of kind of an into the grain uh, first okay. cut lie. Yeah, they managed it, to get that into the grain as well. <laughs> they're out there with like grains <laughs> no. dragging yeah. it at you. And it was, and from that moment on, I only probably played three more competitive rounds there after that, but I didn't sniff that pond. Like you cannot go over there because the draw, the, you're not getting it up and down. The, the other thing for people who maybe have not been there, you hear about elevation change there. The 10th tee is the highest point on, on the golf course. And if you consider that there's 350 feet of elevation change, the 11th green 
is, for all intents and purposes, the low point. People talk about 12. 12 green is higher than 11 green by a couple of feet. So you are going from the 10th tee, and in two holes, you're going from the top of the golf course to the bottom of the golf course. And, and when you get over that last slope on 11, I mean, I can't, if they ever allowed sledding during the winter months, if they ever had a great, I mean, the 11th would be one of the great sledding hills of all time. I think it would be better from the start of the fairway back to the tee. It was pretty steep. Yeah, yeah. pretty steep too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh man, I'm getting excited about it. <laughs> Are you yeah. going this year? I'm not going, no, I'm not. I wish I was. I've been the last couple of years taking people and entertaining them. Yeah. And it's great. It's a lot of people who was their first time. They had so much fun. I mean, I was there with them. They had fun. But of course was, uh, they did. Yeah. No, it was great. It, it really is. It's it's a sporting event that you've got to go. No, to. you have to. And then let me let me get a thought on twelve because twelve is the most um, thought about one hundred and fifty yards in golf. It's 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 like an open field. Like when you consider all the land from from the left as you're walking from eleven green up to twelve t, all the way to the right. Of, of, you know, the Nelson Bridge, which is what you walk over after you hit your tee shots on 13. It's just this big open area. But then you look at that green and you go, oh my God, is there any depth to that green? There's nothing there. It's the shallowest thing you'll see all day. I think the thing with 12 is, and you have to agree with me here because I'm right. <laughs> you, ha you have got to be so committed. Like if it's a right flag, you have to be so committed. Don't get there. Oh, I'm going to get try and get a little bit closer to that hole. Committed to what? To you pick your starting line. You pick Which your number is? right over the middle of that bunker. I agree with you. Right over the thank you. Right over the middle of that front bunker to every single flag. Yeah, and and if if that is your choice, and that that was the Nicholas philosophy. The green is one of the smaller greens on the golf course, so you're going to have a reasonable chance. The other thing about 12 is, and they've done everything they can, they have all the technology in terms of moisture and all that. It's always, to me, the softest green on the golf course. Is that fair? Yeah, it's yes. in the shade. Yeah. 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 The, 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 the weird thing about 12 and 13T that you only get a perspective of it when you've played it is that, and, and everybody knows this, but there's no spectators back there. And so you've got one of the biggest grandstands on the course, now 170 yards away from you because it's set back from the tee, all those people sitting there. And when you make a putt, there's this, like, you, nobody can see it. No. So there's like a second it's delay. A delay. It's, it yeah. is, it it's is, it is weird. eerie. It's, it's weird. weird. But then, and there's so many people on that property, you walk off 12, it's my favorite spot on the golf course yep. is that 13th tee, and I cannot wait to see how it plays with that new tee box. But you walk back to that 13th tee, and you are in the quietest, most private place with yep. 40,000 people on this golf course. And I think that that, for, as players, that 12th green, 13th tee is, there's no other place like it in golf. No, and especially isn't. in major championship golf that you have those moments to kind of be quiet and reflect on things. Yeah, I, I that's why like the Hogan Bridge, it really is, is like walking to the Forbidden City. I mean, because the only way you get over there, there's a few people who are obviously, whether it be an official or someone involved with the television broadcast, it's players and caddies, that's it. And it's almost like, gather yourself, you're, you're kind of midway through Amen Corner, but you're right, and, and, if, and as a spectator, when, you're, when you see guys over there, it's like the world's greatest stage. It really is, like, there's the canvas, there's the stage, we're the audience, there's nobody back there but the trees and the azaleas, and there's nothing like it anywhere else, and now, with the addition of, of the, the new 13th tee, 
Um, have you seen the, the, the Google Earth photos of you? You know, have you seen, what, what are your thoughts on what you've seen? I haven't. I've I seen haven't. it and okay. I think it's great. It, for when I played, I, I, I couldn't hit driver over the corner. I was hitting driver three wood and coming in with an extremely long iron or fairway wood into that green. And I think now with the addition of those additional yards, it's going to bring the longest hitters. I don't think they'll be able to cover the corner unless it's really downwind. And I think you're gonna see guys maybe hitting more three woods and leaving it to the spot where I used to hit drivers. Right. And it's that second shot from the fairway that ball is so far above your feet, it, TV does not do it justice. And so you're hitting a green out of a hook lie to a green that really requires a fade. And, and Brant told me that first practice round that we played, Brant was very helpful. Like he was such a veteran over me. I'm older than him, but he had been there before. And he said, when you're on that 13th fairway and you hit that second shot, it never hooks like you think it will. So the tendency is to hang it out right into the creek. and. And, and it's, we see it's, a lot of And that, it's yeah. true. Like yeah. it, you, you think it's going to hook so much, so you want to start it out there right, but it just hangs really straight, right? Did you yeah. find that? No, I, I did. I agree with you. Could, he, you're a fader. Could you ever fade the ball into that green? No, that? no. I think it was it was too pronounced to actually fade it. But I agree with you. I, it was one of those where you felt like you were really going to hook it, and you know what's left there. There's big <laughs> trouble. So you do. You start it out over the creek, and next thing it stays on the creek and never moves. Right. I mean, I know I hit it in there a couple well, times. Well, the, the other thing that I think, which is, again, part of why well, I think it's it maybe is the finest hole in the world because it's, you know, and I hope it's kind of close to being a half par, is that it has this great contour to it. It's sweeping the whole way. But then Ray's Creek is on a diagonal. So the further, you, the further you're taking it on, sure. the further you have to carry. So the right pin is ostensibly a back pin. You can be like, well, it looks like it's toward the front of the green. No, because the green is on an angle. And if you're hitting, if you're trying to cut it in there, then your spin is the way that it is. It's more of, I, I think that the diagonal direction that the creek runs with the, the way that the green is shaped is brilliant, brilliant. It's, it's brilliant, and the whole location's on that hole. Back right's incredible, front right, but the back left that sits up on yes. top of that tier, if you hit a nice shot and it trickles over, I, that's my scariest chip on that golf course. Because <laughs> when you're looks, down in the bottom there. you're down the yeah. bottom, chipping to that back left pin, you you have no room to keep it. And it's hard, do you bump it into the grain? Do you putt it? Do you, like, and then it, if you don't pull it off and it runs down, it could go in the water, but most likely just end up on the front right. And, and that's I, a tough two putt. It's a tough two putt. And it's just one of those, it's one, that's one of those shots out there that can make players look really silly. And I mean, there's plenty of examples of it, but it just the, 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 the touch and the feel required around that green is yeah. pretty next level. Let me, uh, let me ask you about 14 green. Uh, I think the whole, uh, again, it, it, between 13 and 15, it's hard. Not every hole can be the most important hole in the golf course, but it is a it's a wonky tee shot because it's sweeping left and the fairways cambering to the right, and then you get to the green and there's a couple of elephants buried on the right front portion of the green. It's the only hole that doesn't have a bunker on it. Just give me your thoughts overall on on 14. I think it's it's the one tee shot that you have to turn it. There's, there's some that you can kind of get away. 14 doesn't give you the room to move it left to right. So you see guy, anybody that hits it two straights going through in that right rough. Yeah. And as you say, you've got this green with these huge undulations. If you land it, I mean, you can land a ball next to the hole, but if it's in the wrong spot, 
you're going to have 70, 80 feet where now you're having to put up these undulations. And it to me, it's the most difficult green on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it can become a birdie hole. You know, you get those flags where they're in kind of a low spot and you can use the slopes. We see a lot of balls get close to the hole there and we've actually seen a lot of balls go in on 14. But if you're coming from the wrong spot, it's tough. It really is. Yeah, there's a, there's a, they have a, there's a left pin and then there's obviously that, that, that right pin. There's funneling on that green in a couple different areas where you can see, you can certainly see a hole out. Um, and, and again, the margin is so thin there that if you miss your mark, you could have, if you're, if you're slightly above your mark, you could have five feet. If you miss it and it gets going right, it's going to be 40 feet if it gets down to that low area. I love hitting into that green. It's like seven to me. I, I, I enjoy playing to greens that you don't have to take dead aim to get it close, where you can hit it 15 feet left of that middle pin and just wait for it to come down. And when, once it hits that green, you know it's gonna be good because it's gonna kick right. I love green complexes as a whole that allow you to hit it away from it, but still get it close. Yeah. That uh, that left pin was always the tough the back one. Left. The, the back left Yes. One, because you could hit a really good shot in there eight feet right of the hole and it's, it's gone it's gone and then it catches the next slope and then the next slope and then you know if you miss it left there's a good chance you can chip it down there so <laughs> you, you you know if you're going and if you want to sit somewhere and see not only the way balls are received into the green but then lines that guys have to take depending on where they are in relation to the pin you can sit there all day and be so wildly entertained just watching what happens on 14 for six hours and I took my son last year, and we parked chairs behind the sixth green. Had a great location, yeah. and saw you there. Yeah, I did see you there. Uh, yeah. And but I, as we were walking the golf course, they were setting up the. I think it was the front right hole location on fourteen, and people were just. I should have sat right there because we could have had so much more access to everything. That is a that next time I go back with Graham, I will certainly set up on fourteen. Yeah, that's a, that's a great spot for for whether I'm not suggesting a half a day, but watch watch a couple hours on right. fourteen. Uh, a little quick story. My dad used to go to Augusta with the gentleman who ran the company he worked for. He was a member. And they were there. This was in the mid-80s, a couple weeks before the tournament. And Mac O'Grady was, was in front of them. And he was taking his time. He's hitting a lot of shots. And he, he waved him up on 14. He was on the right-hand side of the fairway. He was about 150 yards. And he said, gentlemen, come on over here. First of all, play on three. But let me show you something. He hit a shot. He hit 14 balls. With each club in his bag, he said, I'll bet you $100 that I can hold the green with all 14 clubs in my bag. And he did it. Wow. Driver to putter. Macro Running Brady. it up the yes. slope. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yeah. Now, he was a, he was, he was a genius. A savant. It, yeah, a savant. <laughs> a savant. To think about that. And that green from putter to driver and every, everything in between. Like, what would be the hardest? of? I guess putter? Driver. Three, Probably would three be wood. Three wood. <laughs> it comes a, off a little hot. A persimmon hot. three wood? That actually makes it easier if it's a persimmon three <laughs> wood. Yeah, that's true. It's like a little ginty. All right, let me let me ask you about, about the, the, the golf course. If it's a really super dry week, does that does that expand the field in some ways? Um, or or does it not? Does it narrow the field? If it's super fiery and fast. Can more guys win it or less guys win it? I'm going to go with less guys. Okay. Because I think it, it brings in more of the trouble, obviously, when you see a golf course. Precision. Course. Precision. Shot making. Yeah. I, I quality think, of strike. Yeah. I think it, it narrows the field down. I really do. I mean, a soft golf course 
everybody can take aim and fire. I think a fiery, fast golf course, I think it narrows it down massively. Okay. I, I, I agree with that, but I think it also brings a different caliber of player in. I think it brings a tactician, a shorter hitting, hitting guy. Like, I can't contend at a soft Augusta. I probably can't. I could never contend at Augusta anyway. <laughs> but from my length player, I would I want it firm and fast because I'm going to be getting more run down the fairways, and I consider myself precise into the green. So when when those conditions get, which is probably to your point, that but I think it bring I think firm fast conditions bring in a shorter player. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I I'm with you. Like it's it's I would agree that you know if if. It would not be easy for the likes of, you know, Kevin Kisner if it was a slog. Um, he needs to be able to chase it as much as he, as he can. But I, and I'm not suggesting he can contend, but I go back to a handful of years. There was a year, Miguel Angel Jimenez, who was 50. He actually, I think, won in Atlanta at the Mitsubishi on the Champions Tour the next week. He finished fourth at the Masters, and Bernhard Langer was in the top 10. Like someone like Bernhard Langer, why can't he go around in top 15 if the, if the place is firm. really firm? And then it just he, speaks to the experience that, that Brendan was talking about, that Bernhard knows exactly where to put it, and he will not – if it's soft, he's got no chance. Yeah. If it's firm, a guy like that, a guy like Freddie, those experienced players can easily get in the hunt. All right, let me, let me ask you about some, some guys. Um, let's start with Rory because he checks every single box when it comes to – what is required to get around there. His record has improved. He's solving the Rubik's Cube with every passing year. But he has something on his shoulder that nobody else has. He's trying to do something there that Sarazen did it, but no, he didn't. I mean, nobody knew what the Masters was. What even called the Masters in 1935? Yes, it was the fourth major championship, but come on. I, I, Brando Shimbley had the best description of what Sarazen did in 1935. He won what was akin to the Hero World Challenge. It was a handful of guys. And I mean, in time, yes, the gravity of it is huge. Rory McIlroy is trying to complete the career of Grand Slam in 2023. In an age where social media is, is toxic and on fire and it never stops, and everybody has an opinion, and he's a thoughtful, curious guy, and he may, may not read everything, but he's abundantly aware of what he's trying to do. That, to me, is like the biggest barrier of it all. Forget all the other stuff, maybe a balky putter. Am I overshooting that part of it? Not at all. I think he comes in with such an added pressure because of all that. I mean, if, if I was Rory, I would turn my phone off, turn all the social media off, not look at it that week. Um, you know, he knows what what the pressures are he knows what he's dealing with and and it is you can see that he gets there that week and there's kind of it looks like he feels like he's got an extra burden on his shoulders and and he does it's a it's a massive massive accomplishment that he's trying to achieve i'm pretty happy what happened to rory at the players this year happened that week i mean they had a he, sure. had, a, he had his board meeting that was well documented at bay hill that was seven hours and then he had to do all the media at the players championship and that uh, morning meeting they had Tuesday to talk to the field. Um, so I'm happy that that happened that week and he's able to get, it affected him. He was exhausted from all of it. He's talking to everybody. He's been the voice. But to that point, what he's done since the Canadian Open, since the guys left for live, he's won big moments and not been afraid to talk about it. I think everything he's gone through leading into this year's Masters in the past eight months, year, has, is going to take that monkey off of his back more so than he's had the luxury of the last seven years because he's been so distracted by other things, he's now not really 
I mean, it's going to be there, but I, I think everything that he's been through in the last year is going to be a tremendous help. And, and like, I, I would love to see him win. Jordan Spieth, the PGA Championship. We live in a time where we got two guys sure. every year that are having the, yeah. the capability of of completing the career grand slam. And Tiger did it so quickly. Yes. And so just, I'm going to do it in order and I'm going to do it at St. Andrews. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, now we've had this buildup and, and it's, it, it's what makes golf so great to watch. It's not just the career grand slam. It is now, we are in our ninth year since he last won a major. Yeah. That's the other barrier that he's got to break back through. And, and no, it's not the career grand slam, but it's the open at the old course. And he couldn't shake one in on Sunday. He didn't hit it poorly. He hit it just fine. He won all those majors with JP Fitzgerald. Yeah. And, and, and since they split, he hasn't. And I, I, I'm a big believer in, in caddies. And I think Ted Scott's had a lot to do with Scheffler's success. Mm -hmm. I'm a, and I don't know, Harry, whatever his caddy's name Harry is. I'm Dunn, sure he's a yeah. great, great guy. And, and Rory's probably turned him into a great caddy to the point now. But I think that split and Rory bringing someone out that wasn't a pro caddy has had a lot to do with his drought of winning majors. Interesting. I, um, I, I don't know what serves him best. Um, the idea of, of he can't hide there. The field is short. Everybody knows what's on the line. Whether he's too clear or too behind, I'd rather be ahead. Uh, you can say, well, he's a better chaser. Look, he's been a good closer. He's won majors by eight. Um, if he does this, um, he ascends to a place that is I, incredibly rare. And, and again, I'm not trying to get ahead of the accomplishment. But if he does, it may unleash a, 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 a clicking off of major championships, not only because it's the career grand slam, but breaking back through the major championship void since the PGA of 2014, he could be on a run that could be like three of the next six. I believe that. Is that fair? I, I think so. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, is McElroy ever going to win another major? And I said, yes. And when he does, he's going to win several more majors there you go. very, very quickly. And, and I firmly believe that the guy's too talented not to. And I mean, just with the environment we're in now, I mean, what a story it would be. The way that he has put the tour on his back, if he could um, complete that career grand slam this week, I mean that, or next week, excuse me, would be absolutely unbelievable and so good for the game. So good for the game. And I, I echo both of y'all. I, I see him winning multiple majors and it's, it's just that barrier he's got to get through. His game is as good as it's ever been. I know sometimes the putter is not great. I think the match play run up. Did Do you he, like the putter change that he made? I love the putter change. Okay. And didn't he put an old driver shaft in? Yeah, and it was half an inch shorter. the drive he hit in the match play against well, he, whoever? He, flew it which one? I mean, I get the, that one, but I mean, I mean, he had like 40 drives of 350 yards right. or more. And going back to the fiery golf course, if it is firm and I mean, if it is soft, look where he won Louisville. No question. The softest. Uh, congressional. Congressional. congressional uh, yeah. Not Lithuania. Hoylake when he won is open it was, it was the softest open yeah, in it was not so, six. so a yeah. soft golf course he's lethal with the driver like that plays into his favor big time yeah yeah i i i think that you know if the other thing about him and augusta it's not just he has like a personal relationship with people there that i honestly think there's there's a handful of players nicholas was a regular member of the club palmer was a regular member of the club he's in his early 30s it's going to be a while he is the type of person I could see in 25 years, him being a regular member of Augusta National. Now, he's not going to be because he wouldn't accept it if he doesn't win it. Like, if he doesn't win it, he's not going to be a member there and having not won it. But that's how personal, whether it's Jimmy Dunn and I can go down the list of the guys that he's got these relationships with, 
if he does break through, I think there is going to be a liberation that he's going to feel that he could be on to a tear that could be something we haven't seen in a while. Do you think that's an added pressure having yes, those personal relationships? I, do. I absolutely do. Like his desire to be in that dinner on Tuesday night, his him, him going, I know he loves going there, but but short of him not winning, there has to be something deep down inside of him. It's it's like this forbidden fruit. Like I'm so close to this. And if he gets it, I'm not like, I'm sure he goes there and has the best time in the world. He just went up there with his dad and with Tom Brady and Jimmy Dunn. Yes, Brendan, there's no doubt that yeah. there's more pressure because it's almost like he's not just doing it for himself. It's uh, the only thing I can even compare that to is what I feel when I play here at Charlotte at yeah. the Wells Fargo. And, and, you know, people, it's the one maybe twice a year people actually are rooting for me. And, and, it, and, it, and, and, and uh, you, we had this conversation before. When Rory goes there, he knows everybody wants him to win. It's Absolutely. that way for him most weeks. But from the membership, from that crowd, and that that adds that element of pressure, as you said. Yeah. No, I, I remember one, one year at Wells. I mean, as you say, this is kind of the way we can feel what he is there. I shot 80 the first round. We sit around. Shot 62 the second day. Having a one, of the great, <laughs> one of the great tied for six of all time, the 2014 Wells Fargo, 80-62. But we were sitting around drinking a bunch of beers, and one of my buddies said to me, well, that was a waste of my time driving over here to watch you play. I was like, thanks, thanks a lot. You know? And you do. You feel like you're letting, letting people down a little bit. And, I mean, as you say, he's got all these personal relationships. You can't help but feeling like, like that every time you don't win. The other thing is that that place has, has, has closed the door on three generational talents who seemed so built to win there. Tom Weiskopf, Greg Norman, and Ernie Els were earmarked to win that golf tournament, and they didn't win it. Is he, the, I mean, he could be those generations. He's going to win it. He's going like, to win it. He's going to win it. You, it's, it's not ever going to get easier because he is going to get older. He's not old now. He is in his physical apex. He is, he is unleashing power from a 5'9 body that doesn't seem physically possible. But if he gets into his late 30s and he hadn't done this, and the next generation of guys who don't care who he is can beat him, it's only going to get harder. And you should hear how much it eats at Ernie. I mean, I, I, I can't played, imagine. played a practice round with him there, and he told me every shot he had messed up every year that he should have won it. And I mean, like it was yesterday, vivid, vivid memories. And you could tell that it just, it eats away at him. It did to Tom Weiskopf. It had, I mean, it certainly did to Norman. There's no doubt it Good. did. Good. <laughs> okay. All right, let me get, let me get, give me your three, give me three chalk I, I am very comfortable that these three guys will be in the top 10 and one of them is likely to win. I'll start with you. Give me your I'm three. Kind of like a Brendan. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love Max Homa. I think he has entered a different realm in his game where he plays bad and finishes 15th. I think he has been incredibly consistent this year. We haven't seen it in a major championship out no. of him, but I think we're going to see it at Augusta. Fades the ball a little too much. But I think he's going to be there top 10. Uh, Jordan Spieth, always for me at Augusta. Mm -hmm. and, and Rory McIlroy, because he's going to win. And, and he's going to complete the career Grand Slam this year. Okay. This is the year. He's your pick. All right, give me your three. Can they be some of the same? Of course. I, I have to go with Spieth as, as one. Yeah. He's won there once. Could have won again if it wasn't for one bad swing on 12. Um, 
just his creativity around those greens. It's such it's so essential as we've touched on. I think he's going to be there at the end of the week for sure. Um, Rory, because his game, yes, his game's good. His game's really good at the moment. Um, there's no weaknesses. Starting to putt the ball well, and um, oh, you got to go to the defending champion Scotty mm-hmm. Scheffler. I mean, again. I'm not going out on a limb here. I got world number one and three, but uh, well, it's not about trying to be interesting. It's about being right. Yeah, well, true, exactly. And he is again. His game's obviously very, very good, and uh, he's playing playing solid at the moment. Played solid through the match play. Obviously, played great at the players, and I, I think all three of those guys will be there late Sunday. I um, I'm with you on Scheffler, and I'm with you on Spieth. I I think that Jordan, there, there's something about. You know, I, I I don't know what's going on in his head uh, during the during the abyss years of kind of nineteen into twenty, and I followed him a ton and was and was fascinated by what was happening. Didn't like that it was happening, but he was doing things that were historically average for someone who had done so much already. Um, and I always and when I when he got to Augusta. There was something that was different. There was something that was very instinctual. He wasn't thinking, I don't think, as much technically. He was reading lies, visualizing shots, and executing them. And nobody can look at a hanging lie and visualize the way that he thinks he wants it you know, to, to, to react when it comes off the face, not to mention his chipping. His putting is it's, it's very unnerving that he is faulty now from six feet and in, and you're going to have a truckload of those putts. Um, that's my, my one hesitation. I, I, he's got more pop in his bat than he did five, six years ago. He's not the ball shark he was in 15, 16, and 17. He was one of the best iron players in the world. Those stats are not there right him, now. Him at the Valspar, I was covering for Golf Central and watched every single yes. shot. His putting looks noticeably different, and I got to watch a lot his of it. His posture is different. It's, it's good. He is, he is staying in putts longer, holding his posture. He made He looked like a different player at Valspar from inside 10 feet, inside six feet. The one thing I like about Jordan putting at Augusta, the short putts, is you still got to use so much imagination. Yes. Like you're hitting these things, cup out, two cups outside of the hole. And I think that for him, that that is so much better when he can visualize visualize things where you're not trying to hit it straight in the back of the hole. He's seeing this thing dying from two cups out. I think that's a massive advantage for him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, but my last guy is somebody who, you know, it's interesting. You know, Homa, there hasn't been really a referendum on his major championship results yet. And there shouldn't have been. He didn't have that many starts. Now, because of how much he's won, it's fair to say, well, you didn't play well enough in the majors. He's a top 10 player in the world now. Um, this guy is a top 10 player in the world. And he, he was right there uh, the Hideki year, and that is Xander Shoffley. That's my third guy. I think that, look, he is, he's, he's a major championship winning type player. Guy's done a lot in the game. He's, he's going to be on another Ryder Cup team. He's won a gold medal. I think the weight of that achievement is going to grow in time. Um, it's time for him to win a major championship. And I'm not saying he has to, but, but he's that good. And I think he had Rory had to make a 13-footer on 18 to, to, to bounce him out of the match play. I thought that was a good week for him. He's my third guy. Um, but again, you can, you know, of course, Rory, again, I just, if he, if he goes out and shoots 74 on Thursday, it's going to be very deflating, not only to him, but everybody else as well. Which is kind of what he's done yes, multiple years. Because, I mean, think of the, the pressure of getting there and having he comes out tight. But Xander, to get back to Xander, you look at players 
short games that have won yes. major championships and there's there's a common thread and then when i play with major champions i always try to watch them around the greens and see what i can learn because that's what wins majors and i think xander has that major change like justin thomas <laughs> he's got a major championship short game you think about these guys xander to me he hits it great everybody does but he's got that He's got that major championship quality touch around the greens. All right, give me, give me um, whether it's whether it's dark horses at Augusta, they're hard to find. It's all it's all tall cotton. I mean, it's it's not like you're looking for a qualifier or somebody who snuck in. These are the top fifty ranked players in the world based on the world rankings. Not to mention you, you've won a golf tournament to get in. But give me somebody that you got a feeling about. You have somebody? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sung J M. Just Very because good. every time I've ever watched him play, he plays well. And and he plays every week. So you yes. know he's going to be coming in well-practiced. But I've never seen him play bad. Doesn't look like there is any weakness in the game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him there late Sunday. He's a good one. He is a good one. I, I, he is a good one. I love Sanjay. <laughs> I love Sanjay. I'll tell you who I'm, I'm going to give you is Patrick Reed. Oof. And you can you can turn away and hold your nose all you want. His chipping, his putting, and nobody is better conditioned to to wear a black hat and just sashay on down the fairway like that guy can. Well, it'll be nice to have him back in a field to where so we can root against him. That'll be that'll be nice. <laughs> but what, would you be surprised if he contended? I I don't even want to utter the words Patrick Reed out of my mouth. I would not be surprised, but I'm hoping for the opposite. Okay, of that. I'm just telling you. Is there anybody better conditioned to show up there, walk into that Champions Dinner with everybody looking at him like really you? And him going out there and being a shot back going into the weekend. No. Yeah, I was on a plane with Henrik Norlander, who was yeah Reed's, on his, his, his team, team at Augusta State. You. Yeah, and uh, it was when Rory was a couple shots behind Patrick when 2018. 2018, and uh, you know, obviously everybody is pro Rory. And Norlander <laughs> looked at me and said, "This is exactly what Patrick wants. He wants me against the world. He will win tomorrow." And well. Sure enough. I thought you were going to share a different Norlander story about Patrick Reed, but we'll save that. Yeah, about, yeah, that's about, for all the, the, about all they want. Against the same guys yeah. rooting against him. Yeah, they, won, they won two national championships together. We played in college at Virginia Tech for three years. I mean, and I, I love this guy. He won two national championships with him and can't stand him. And that says that says it all right there. And uh, again. I shouldn't um, put those words in Henrik's mouth. I heard that story second. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You got a, you got a first timer. Uh, that, that you have a thought about? I do. A name that's not familiar over here yet, Ryan Fox. Mm -hmm. I think Ryan Fox is going to do some Hell really, of a player. really good things. His dad's an ex-all-black. He's if you can. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, all-black, great. So wow. if you can handle the pressures of playing rugby in New Zealand, Ryan Fox has been around that kind of limelight. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed at all. Yeah. And I think he's got a game to match as well. Hits it very, very far. And um, he seems like he's got just the right attitude, wants to keep getting better. He's one of those guys that will play a lot of practice rounds and learn a lot from those practice rounds. So you're still a first-timer, but you got to pick up as much yeah, as you can Yeah, I didn't before. know that about his dad. Did, now, um, there's a great book about the All Blacks called Legacy. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with it? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. by James Kerr, I believe. Um, that's a good one. I like that one. Give me your first-timer. And I've got two because I'm not sure that one of them is a first-timer. But uh, did Kurt Kitayama play last year? 
Uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember, and I didn't have time last didn't night to look it up. Finish in the top fifteen in the world. Well, I'll check. But, well, but give so, me your other so, one. So I, I really like what he's done this year, and I think his game. He's winning Bay Hill in a big moment. He's had a number of seconds like a Cameron Young last year at Honda Genesis Scottish Open. Not afraid of the limelight. And then this kid that won two weeks ago, Taylor Moore, yep. Valspar. I, I, I was really impressed watching him. He's stoic. He's not a up and down sort of guy. But I think Taylor Moore's someone who's won recently and going to be kind of riding that high going to Augusta on form. And if you talk to his peers, they all think really, really highly of Taylor Moore. Like, they expect big things from this guy. I know Justin Thomas had glowing reviews. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do well. I, um, I I met Taylor Moore at the Junior Invitational at Sage Valley when he was – he and, and this was a year in which um, I think a kid who went to Oklahoma State, Zach Olson, won the event. But – the kids who were there, they all looked like they were going right from the junior invitational to qualifying school. Robbie Shelton, Matthew Neesmith, Taylor Moore. And I looked at him among all those guys. Wyndham Clark was another one. Um, there was like five guys who finished second. And I looked at him and I said, that's the tour player right there. Like he had a, he, he, he presented himself like, and, and he's the same vintage as Spieth and Thomas, and Berger and Shoffley. He's 29 years old, turns 30 the day after Spieth turns 30 in July. Like, I like him a lot. Um, that's a good one. I'll give you somebody who, not only a first timer, but an amateur, and he was just on with Emma Carpenter last week is Gordon Sargent. I'm very, very interested to see how somebody who, again, a lot of guys are long, this guy has insane power um, and also has a comportment about him that I can see him making the cut. He's that special um, as only a sophomore in college. He'd be my guy. I like that call. And he got that special exemption. That yes. they, I mean, have, is there any precedent been to years, that? It's been 20 years who, since who, they've who done would, that. Have been well, that. I mean, they gave, you know, these special invitations, they gave twice. Uh, Rio Ishikawa got that. I believe at one point, Ernie Els got a special invitation to Augusta National okay. based on, you know, he wasn't exempt. Obviously, he was a multiple major champion. They, but they, an amateur. They, but yeah, an amateur. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I don't recall the last time, uh, you know, just a college player who was not even the runner-up who's already getting an invite. Uh, that's Ben Carr, who was the runner-up at the U.S. Amateur last summer. I don't I don't know. It's a good, it's a good right. question. And look, he's got... He's got some nice advocacy in, in Toby Wilt, but but Augusta National has been pretty damn clairvoyant when they have either chosen to start something or identified somebody as maybe being pretty good. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just they just have. Um, the thing that you're looking forward to the most, Masters Week, what is it? I mean, you're not going this year. When you go, what do you what do you what do you what do you do when you go there as a as a as a spectator? Um, well, I've, I've had people with me, so just yeah. try and, you know, give them a whole insight into everything, you know, try and tell them as much as you can about the golf course, um, you know, just try and explain the intricacies of the place. Um, what I'm looking forward to the most, I, I love that Sunday afternoon. I really do just tell my kids to go away, tell my wife to go away. Don't bother me. I'll see you guys in however many That'll hours. That'll be a special Easter Sunday at yeah. yeah. Young's house. Yeah. That's, uh, and, uh, sometimes he has risen. <laughs> he has risen indeed. How about you? When you go there? Uh, well, I went... Last year was the first time I went down with friends Monday, and then my you son... You had not been there as a spectator. No. 
No. What, 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 I mean, was, I was that blown, sensory overload for I you? I was blown away with the parking <laughs> and walking in, and I get yeah. my PGA of America credential, and and it was incredible. But Saturday took Graham, my son, who was 12 at the time and loves golf, and we walk in, and he's like, Dad, my phone, where is it? I'm like, we left it in the car. And, and he was so um, not used to having his phone on him. And by the end of the day, he looked at me when we were riding home. He said, that was the greatest experience I've ever had. Like, I, I think... It's such a unique place to where not having your phone frees you up to actually enjoy the moment and watching so much golf now. Every time someone's in the gallery hitting a shot, the entire crowd has their phones out. Right. And it's like, why don't you just, in, it's like people at concerts filming it. Do you ever watch those videos again? No, cool. Like, why don't you just enjoy the moment no, no that doubt. you're in? So, but for me this year, I think my, I think Katie and, and, and my daughter Marianne are going out of town for spring break. And so I think I have Saturday and Sunday with just me and Graham. And I, we were talking about it last night. We're going to go in my office. We may get a two-screen setup. And we're going to get it cold and dark and wrap up in blankets and watch every minute of the weekend coverage. That's awesome. I, I went there for the first time with my parents. I just graduated from college. This was 91, the year Woosnam won. And I made a point of getting behind the 10th tee because I knew the way that CBS shot that tee for the last couple groups on Saturday and Sunday. So I've got those, I've got those rounds on tape and I'm standing right there behind 10 T as Watson, Woosnam uh, are walking up there. And it's just it, it is, again, there was no cell phones in 91, but I, I hope that the policy never changes. The fact that you go there and it's an uninterrupted experience with whoever it is that you're there. There's no checking of your phone. There's not taking videos. Um, it's, it's something that, that is unlike any other sporting event that we have. And, and I hope it doesn't change, and I don't think that they're going to change it. The fact that you go there and you just you either look at the person you're talking to and you're looking at the person who's hitting a golf shot, and that's it. And how much do we, we don't do that at sporting events anymore. No, it's the greatest. It's checking social media. Yeah. It's texting who you're with. If somebody sees you on camera, you're now now you're consumed by who has seen you and how many how many you know. I haven't been to a Super Bowl or anything, but uh, I've been to a lot of sporting. I, events. I have, and, and and there's there's nothing there's no sporting event I would rather attend than the Masters. I mean, and what a well-oiled machine! It's unbelievable. Clockwork. It's there's forty thousand people, and you never wait to get a sandwich to use a bathroom. It is unbelievable the way they just get this flow so perfect. It's, I mean, the other thing is, and I think it's still I think it's still true, and a lot of people now use cards. But when somebody handed you a 20 and you were going to get a couple of beers and a couple of sandwiches and two bags of chips and you got change, I think that's still <laughs> right. true. I think yeah. it is. Walking, yeah. walking into the bathroom over there behind the sixth screen and I, my first time, and uh, the guys that are waiting, ushering you, they're like, front nine on the left, back nine on the right. <laughs> and I, I'd never heard of a men's bathroom being cut in half in that way. And uh, it was, it's just, everything's perfect. Like it a well-oiled machine. It, yeah. it, you, you cannot oversell the experience, fearing that it will undeliver, it never does. It always delivers. What's so cool about playing that place that when you're playing it, you never see the permanent bathroom structures or the concession stands or any of the buildings yeah. that build out that the patrons have. Like even when you're there, non-masters, you never see that stuff. And it's all the permanent structures, and I, you know, they, they, obviously, it helps having the event there every year, but it. A tradition like no other. <laughs> the, 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 the best story to sum up like how they do what they do and it doesn't make any sense. 
there was a year Billy Payne was the chairman and there was a, a weather system that came through and it was almost like one of those microbursts and it literally demolished a, a, a permanent bathroom on the property. And he went into the press room and gave the details of what had happened. And he said, it will be replaced by tomorrow, <laughs> a permanent bathroom. And it was, how's that even possible? How's that possible? The bricks and mortar. Power. In overnight <laughs> right. hours that a bathroom was replaced as if nothing had happened. I'm like, okay, this, this is <laughs> yeah. Oz right here. <laughs> By the way, Kurt Kitayama, it is his first start at the Masters. Look out for him. Our crack staff right and, here provided me with that detail. And the way he played at the match play too, he's hot. I like guys with no, that hot no. hand. He's got chops, there's yeah. no doubt. Gentlemen, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Looking forward to you guys doing your own thing starting the week after the Masters uh, with a guy who loves golf. Uh, play with a different type of uh, equipment, tennis, anti-rotic. Uh, enjoy the Masters. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Gary. Thank okay. you very much, Gary.